0: Welcome to Hot Topics in Kidney Health, brought to you by the National Kidney Foundation. Each episode, we highlight the latest in kidney research, bring you up-to-date news in kidney care, dispel myths, and answer your kidney health questions. Make sure to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts to help more people with kidney disease discover us. We really appreciate it. Now, on with the show. Juice detoxes, intermittent fasting, and the werewolf diet. What do these have in common? They're all fad diets. What is a fad diet? Are there any diets that kidney disease patients and those at risk should follow? Renal dietitian, Amanda Hayes and Jane Demise who has stage five kidney disease are here to break it down. My name is Marlena Chesner. I use they, them pronouns. Please feel free to provide yours as well. I'm the digital content development manager here at NKF. So as a child of the nineties and early two thousands, I'm super aware of fat diets. So I'm very excited to have you both here today to talk about that. To get started, Amanda, could you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your connection to
1: kidney disease? Yeah. Oh, my pronouns are she, her. And I have been a renal dietitian specializing with people with kidney disease for over a decade now. I currently have a private practice and I'm specializing in both intuitive eating and chronic kidney disease. I just love working with this population and seeing how we can improve quality of life and outcomes and and still like love food and enjoy food.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much for being here. Jane?
2: I am a stage five kidney disease patient. I have been fighting, or I should say I've been a warrior actually since two, 2003, stage four happened in about 2017 and 18, and by modifying a lot of things, I have kept off dialysis up until this point.
0: Awesome. I'm so happy to have you back on the show. So to kick today's conversation off, Amanda, it's hard to keep up with diets that cycle through the news outlets and on social media. For this podcast, we're going to talk about these diets as fad diets or what's in at the moment. Can you tell us what is a fad diet versus a prescribed diet that your doctor might ask you to follow?
1: Yeah, I kind of like to think of fad diets as, you know, they're quick fixes, they're secretive hacks to finding optimal weight loss or health. They tend to eliminate whole food groups or big groups of food. They sometimes elevate other foods and make them like a magical treatment for every thing. They can be kind of tricky because sometimes they're based on a small amount of research. One little clip from a research study, but maybe it's a poorly designed research study. Maybe it wasn't a population-based research study, or maybe it was just a theoretical model based on these things. So it can be tough because people can be like, it's science. And so it's hard to know sometimes. And if you contrast that to a diet that your, your doctor is recommending, which is going to be a prescription to manage your medical conditions. And so um, something like a lower potassium diet, or um, if you're on dialysis, um, a high protein recommendation for when you're getting protein removed by your dialysis machine. Those are things to, to help manage and support your health long-term. They're not something that's quick fix. This is this is life. Now, I will say that there are some times that providers recommend fad diets, and uh, that can be hard, right? And so I I encourage patients to advocate for themselves. And when they're asked to um, follow a diet, ask for a referral to a dietitian who specializes in kidney disease, ask if they can provide the research, the long term study data on this particular intervention that the doctor is recommending. So yeah, those are those are kind of my recommendations in that area.
0: Jane, I heard you give a little mm-hmm to the renal dietitian. Do you have experience with um, a renal dietitian yourself?
2: Yeah. First of all, I'm a person of size. So you want to talk diets, talk to a fat person. They probably tried almost everything that's been out there. When I was diagnosed in 2018, I had gone to stage four. One of the things that they kept saying to me was lose weight, lose weight, lose weight. And I kind of wanted to look at them and say, what makes you think I haven't tried to do that? It just bothers me that everybody thinks that you know losing weight is simple to do and it's not, but I did want to have a lot of concerns about having implications with my diet and uh, renal implications. So I did see a dietician and I I really honor her with changing my lifestyle and putting me on a path of good health. I have a half an hour appointment with her that always went at least almost two hours because we'd sit there and talk recipes. We talk food. You know, she would say, well, this is really great. And I'm like, well, really, it's not if you look at this. And so I got very, very invested in renal diets and, and nutrition for better health.
0: Yeah, that's incredible. It's like you're almost getting some of that social aspect that food gives us by talking to your dietitian as well, which is really lovely. Before talking with this dietitian, did you have experience with fad diets or diets in general? How'd that go?
2: Yep. Uh, Like I said, I've I've tried multiple things. I can remember at one point, I think it was in the 80s, cabbage soup diet. Oh my God, everybody was on it. cabbage soup stuff. To this day, I cannot stand the smell of tomato soup or cabbage soup or any of those things. That's all you eat. You're supposed to eat. You were supposed to eat that like two times a day and then have a regular meal, lose weight. No, no, it was also <laughs> loaded with salt. So it's kind of like fed diets for some things for short term, um, weight loss can actually, they could do that. But for long-term fed diets are really, really bad for you. And I did see a specialist at one point who was working a whole workup to see what was going on with my metabolism. And she basically said, because I had dieted and I put that in quotes for so long that I had actually messed up my metabolism. And that came to fruition down the line when I started to really track my food and track my calorie intake and how limited I had to become to lose weight. Fad diets are good short-term maybe for some people, but it's it's not a lifestyle. You know, I don't even
1: think they're good for short-term for people, for all those reasons you talked about. I'm, I mean, like your quality of life while you were doing those diets, Jane, like how did, like, did you feel good when you were doing those or did you kind of feel sluggish and awful all the time? Actually, when
2: I have dieted in the past, when I went to see her, I brought a food journal that I had been keeping and I've been keeping them off and on. Uh, for quite some time, and the first thing the dietitian said to me was you're not eating enough. Now for a person of size, that's Mecca.
1: Ooh,
2: I'm not eating enough. That was just like fascinating for me to hear that. And the truth was my calories were not good calories. So I was almost had malnutrition because I was limiting things, but I was limiting the wrong things. And that actually leads perfectly into our next question. A lot of these diets are very
0: restrictive and that can be potentially harmful. So Amanda, what is your take on diets overall? What harm they can cause and are there any diets that are appropriate for kidney disease? We touched on a few, but maybe in the fad diet realm, the answer can be no. (laughs)
1: Yeah. um, So, you know, we mentioned that fad diets are generally going to be very restrictive, limiting whole food groups, things like that. And when you're limiting a whole food group, um, you're going to be limiting a whole food group worth of nutrition, of nutrients. And the chronic kidney disease population is especially vulnerable to malnutrition. We know that actually that, you know, extreme weight loss or weight gain in in these populations can actually in people stage three to five is associated with like a more likelihood of progressing to dialysis. And so, yeah, they can be really harmful. Um, they can also lead to electrolyte imbalances, right? We we have to worry about high potassium and um, things like that based on eating only cabbage soup and tomato soup and things like that. Yeah, the high protein diets especially are for the CKD stage um, pre dialysis, are especially harmful. We find that that's more associated with progression of kidney disease. So things like paleo and Atkins and... Um, Keto, carnivore, all those really high protein diets can be especially harmful in that population. Overall, I just kind of find that these uh, these style diets um, they're generally extreme, they're unsustainable, and they're rigid. And in my experience over many years, this leads to either burnout or kind of disordered eating. It it, it doesn't tend to to offer anything positive for people as far as diets that are kind of more beneficial to people with kidney disease. I really like to look at people's overall eating pattern. Um, There are diets um, like the dash diet or the Mediterranean diet um, that are going to be more supportive of people um, with chronic kidney disease because they're, you know, again, uh, consistent eating, providing health, promoting nutrition. They're not about losing weight and things like that. So I think, Those are things you can point to, but I'd still, you know, recommend that people go the personalized route and, and seek out, um, you know, professional guidance with that.
0: Yeah. I'm sure having, you know, your diet in conjunction with your blood tests to see how things are changing over the months is particularly beneficial. Jane, I'm wondering, what does your diet look like now and kind of how have you framed it to be something that's helpful and supportive of your journey as opposed to maybe restrictive
2: or damaging to yourself? So when I saw the dietitian in 2018, we modified, um, of course, she t- she talked about my life, which was something that most um, conversations about diet don't include the whole person. So having her realize that like, I don't eat lunch, I eat two meals a day. So. I have to balance, you know, I had to balance my diet intake with just two meals where three meals, most diet plans are three meals. She was, she knew that, and she was very specific about it. I actually followed a fairly easy to follow diet. I don't eat red meat, haven't eaten red meat since 1986. That's just a personal preference. So you know, I limited my chicken and I had fish, uh, eggs, dairy. I was still eating all of the food groups. But I had a better understanding of the impact of how much I was eating and when I was eating, that made a difference. And I lost 50 pounds in like eight months, which I have kept off. So that was the first step with a, 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 just a renal diet. Then COVID hit and the food groups were, were getting difficult to find. So I put back some weight at that point. So I went back to the dietitian. I actually saw her off and on before that, but I went back to her and she said, you know what, Jane, why don't you try plant-based? I thought, okay, I'm pretty close. We'll give it a try. So I did, I did that for almost a year year and a half. And it was somewhat restrictive on what I could eat. But the problem with a plant-based diet for somebody who has high potassium and high phosphorus, it's almost counterintuitive. You really have to learn what you're eating and the impact of what you're eating. So I got onto a food tracker. I have a whole library. I know you could ask me how many calories and what's the nutritional balance of oatmeal. I can tell you, and I just kept track of everything I, I ate and I was able to stay on that for a while. Now, as I got closer to end stage, um, I did add back in some chicken and some fish every once in a while, I guess they call that a flexitarian diet now. But I'm very mindful of the following things, whole food, no processed, absolutely no processed food whatsoever. And making sure that whatever I'm putting in my mouth is the purest and the best that it can possibly be. And that I think has kept me off of the dialysis path for this long.
0: Are you looking for inspirational kidney disease stories, kidney friendly recipes, and CKD dialysis or transplant lifestyle tips? Check out National Kidney Foundation's blog at kidney.org slash blogs for all of that and more. That's kidney.org slash blogs. So Amanda, hearing Jane talk about this, do you have any tips for patients who need to shift into a diet plan that's a little bit different um,
1: and to stick to it essentially? Well, I think what Jane said is you know, working with somebody who sees you as a whole person, sees your whole life, your whole experience, because again, these things have to be personalized to work. Um, I think that's really important. I really like to encourage people to kind of check their motivations behind their actions. Um, So like your person of value, you have inherent value, no matter what. So are you making these diet choices to make yourself like worthy of respect and care or are you making these choices because you're already worthy of respect and care your body's already worthy of respect and care and kind of like just checking that motivation i think is really supportive of the day-to-day because um again and like shaming kind of guilty shaming voices with um with diets they they don't tend to actually lead to long-term behavior change. They lead to kind of like feeling stagnant and feeling like, well, I'm just not doing good enough. I think for some people, those, those kind of rigid diets, you know, especially in the very late stages of kidney disease, when the, when the idea is to stay off dialysis, they can, they can be a life-giving thing for people. But I think there's also ways to promote that health and take care of your kidney health, um, with, flexibility. And, and I believe that I, I work with people all the time and, and in all walks of life. And um, if, if their diet does not hold up to the necessary flexibility of living like a whole healthy life or socialization of eating with friends and things like that, of busy schedules, then it's not a good diet for them. And so we want to make sure that we're, we're creating a pattern um, and recommendations that fit everybody where they're at.
2: I, I kind of want to chime in something on, on what you said, Amanda, because I think it's so critical. Guilt. There is always an association of guilt for people of size. And that's our social uh, society that's that's brought that out. And then you had onto that somebody with a chronic illness. And I think you could ask any patient in the world and they're going to tell you there is a sense of guilt that you either caused this or you're not controlling it, or somehow this is your fault. So you couple that with a, the guilt of having to diet. It's it's very hard. You have to change the mindset uh, and and make sure that your providers and other people that you're working with in your healthcare team get
1: rid of that guilt. Exactly, and, and, and I think, you know, kind of touching on that, Jane, I would love to know just kind of how freeing it is to kind of change that mindset for yourself and also, Again, I want to point back to quality of life. Like if you had felt horrible because you had been, you know, hungry all the time, restricting all the time, you felt guilty all the time. Would it it have been sustainable to continue to do the changes that you've made? No, of course not.
2: There's always that factor of sneaking, which, you know, you think, well, you know, one little snack here or there is not going to hurt you. And it really won't hurt you. But there's that association of, of, you know, punishment, self punishment. If you go off your diet, you have to get the word diet really out of the vocabulary and change it to lifestyle. Once you accept that, that it's not a punishment, but it's an enhancement for better feeling. And you really embrace how much better you feel if I eat something, that's not really a good thing for me to eat, like if I even taste fried food. Now I haven't eaten fried food for so long. It, it just makes me feel yucky. So it's a mindset to know that you're not restricting, you're enhancing, and that really makes a big difference in how you can stay with the diet, if you wanna use that word. So it sounds
0: like it's a lot less about breaking bad habits and building healthier habits. And I'm curious, can you make this change overnight or is it something that you kind of need
2: to make the switches slowly and build up to? For me, and I can only speak for myself, what my husband and I are foodies. We love to cook. We always love to cook. I love to bake. I used to make candy. I used to cover my dining room table every holiday with candy. Well, those things had to stop because first of all, my husband's diabetic. So I had to stop these, these productions of food, but that was part of our lifestyle. We cooked together. We went to cooking classes. So we had to change from what we were preparing, but not getting rid of the joint production of making. So we went to kidney cooking classes together, actually as a family, we brought our stepdaughter with me. Um, so we all were engaged in learning how to cook better renal foods that were safe for us. We shop um, farmer markets, which are always a treat, but you're going to get the most good quality organic foods straight from the farm. So we, we, we do that all year round. We, we have a couple places that stay open in the winter. We, we will go down and pay more for better quality food. My husband's still a meat eater. We go to a butcher, we get better quality foods. We still cook together and we still, we grow our own vegetables out in the back. And I have an herb garden that I keep, I actually keep it inside in the winter too. So it's, we, we haven't lost our love of food. We just changed the direction of what we do with our food. And that made a big difference. I love how you've kept all the joy that
0: food can bring you. And I, imagine that's part of why you're so successful with this.
2: Food is such a big part of our lives and I'm married to an Italian. It's like 90% of their lives, everything, every holiday is a big production to get out of, of trying to change something that's so in, ingrained in you. It, it's really hard to jump that wall. You, you can't really do it. You just got to modify it so that you keep the lifestyle that you have just doing better with what you're enjoying.
0: Yeah, Amanda, I'm actually wondering, how do you help your patients and people that you work with kind of find joy in food, especially if some of the things that they've loved have been either taken off the
1: plate or need to be significantly cut down on? Yeah, I mean, I, I do think that the majority of the people I work with, it, it really, the small and small gradual changes tend to be more supportive. Um You know, for instance, we know that like our taste buds adjust to less sodium over time. I bet Jane could tell you how like she can't eat the same amount of salt that she used to her tongue would literally just tell her no. But I really like giving people, reminding people about adding into their diet versus always considering the subtraction. Um, cause that's just for people on kidney, um, diets, that is just as much about it. It's just as much about adding plants into the diet, fruits and vegetables, nuts, seeds, beans, legumes into the diet than it is about subtracting other things. And so again, and that helps that addition mentality versus like, I'm constantly looking at my plate and seeing what do I need to decrease instead of having like, how can I add a fruit or vegetable this to this meal? I think that helps increase joy. I think I it is important that, you know, I'm checking in with people I'm like, hey, are you feeling satisfied with your food choices? Um, are you able to still like, how's your social life when it comes to your food choices? And if, if we're seeing that either of those are declining or not where we want them to be, that means we need to make some modifications. Um, there's so many different ways to cook foods that, you know, thinking outside the box, like if you don't like steamed vegetables, what about roasted vegetables? Um, you know, I have people who can still incorporate fast food into their diet. We find the fast food choices that fit within the recommendation. Cause we're not on a no sodium diet. We're on a low sodium diet. We can make these things fit and no one food is going to make or break the, this thing, this eating pattern. And I just try to remind people that, that we're, we're making these health promoting choices, 80 to 90% of the time where we are really mindful of these things, and then we're going to 10 to 20% of the time, we're going to be able to say, you know what, I'm I'm out with my friends, I'm going to try to add in things to this meal, but I'm going to be present with my people right now and I'm just going to eat my food. What you're saying is so true because the restaurant situations,
2: well, locally, I can't say globally, is not set up for actually renal consumption. So you have to learn how to. you can modify some of those things and still have the social interaction of going out. We go out all the time, but we go to restaurants that I know Well, we had one restaurant that would prepare, especially for me, that was a really nice deal, but you can go to restaurants and you can still, um, enjoy your food. You just have to be a little bit more selective, like maybe using a couple of appetizers instead of a full size meal. And you're absolutely correct about the salt because if you ever go out when you have, I don't cook with salt at all and I don't eat salty food when I can, but when you go to a restaurant, boy, you really can taste the difference because they really, really, really salt. So you just have to be mindful to not go out every night, you know, once a week or something like that. You're not going to, you're not going to make damage. You're not going to damage yourself by doing that. I think
0: these are all really good points. And it's also just important for people who maybe don't have access to super fresh foods or like the most high quality that there are still ways that you can have a kidney healthy diet. And Amanda, I'm wondering if you had any tips for some people who maybe were living in a food desert or had less access to maybe a farmer's market like Jane does. Yeah, I'm really
1: glad you brought that up because you're exactly right. Um, We know... That determinants of health, that low socioeconomic status, um, living in a food desert, um, lack of access to green space are just as important to kidney health as anything that we can eat, right? Like that 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 makes a difference in these things. So again, if our diet, if our recommendations can't stand up to everybody, like if they can't fit into anybody's life, then there may be not a good diet recommendation. So for my people who um, who don't have as access, much access to these things, I'm working with them on finding the lowest sodium option at a fast food restaurant. I'm working with them on if I am gonna go to a fast food restaurant, can I choose the fruit or vegetable side instead of the fried side like uh, french fries? I can find things on convenience stores with people. If they don't have a grocery store nearby, can we find some fresh more fresh items at a convenience store? Um, can we learn to cook some of the cheapest things like beans and rice, which are great options for a kidney healthy diet? Um, and so we're we're working with people who might not have a lot of cooking skills. They they didn't um, they didn't have opportunity to learn those growing up. Then I'm going to find ways that they can microwave food at home. Um, we're we're gonna need to make all of those things work, and we want to. Instead of always trying to demonize the bad habits, we're trying to make the good habits easier. So if I can increase access and decrease barriers to those health-promoting things like decreasing sodium and eating more fruits and vegetables, that's the way to do it.
0: Living with kidney disease can be confusing. Our patient information helpline, NKF Cares, is here to help. Our trained professionals are standing by to answer your most pressing questions. Get started at kidney.org cares podcast. That's kidney.org cares podcast to get started. Building on those healthy habits, I'm wondering if you both can share with me maybe some of your top healthy habits that you think would be helpful for people to even now just start incorporating into their life. Jane, what have you found specifically helpful?
2: I practice intermittent fasting for one thing, which is supposed to help with weight loss. It really didn't, but it did. It did help me to focus on when I do eat. That I do concentrating on eating. There's a specific joy of having a good meal, and I base. I'm very much into mindful based uh, habits. So focusing on your eating and really enjoying that moment of when you're savoring your food is really really important. If especially if you're limiting it. I can't imagine people, they don't realize how quickly we eat and how, how much we're not really aware of what we're eating. So being aware of what's crossing your lips um, is really, really important to, to make sure that you savor the moment of, even if it's limited, even if it's, you know, just a small amount of food every single time you enjoy it. Um, I think that is really important. Some of the other things that I do is to really experiment. So we talked about vegetables. So being I have high potassium, so hyperleukemia. I have to be very, very careful of the uh, foods that I consume that they don't increase my potassium, which when you're on a plant base is really a challenge. So I love vegetables. I've always loved vegetables. So I really started to experiment with seasonings. Salt is not a seasoning (laughs) that's off the plate. You can't use it, but there's all kinds of pepper blends. You know, fresh herbs, just one of the best thing in the world is to go outside and chop fresh basil and throw it in with the vegetables, a little bit of olive oil, put it in the oven. Ooh, that is so good. So easy to do. Um, experimenting with with different uh, combinations of foods. So like, say there's seven vegetables that I can eat just by putting different things together with a different seasoning. I can make such a variety out of the food. That's not limiting. That's that's not that
1: diet my top recommendation is actually kind of what Jane mentioned earlier. The number one supportive thing um, for being able to be mindful about our choices is making sure you're eating consistently and enough. If you are only eating one meal a day, there's no way you're going to be able to be mindful of like sodium content and things like that. You will be too hungry, whether you perceive it or not. And so consistent eating Um, for people, making sure we're getting consistent energy intake throughout the day. Um, Meals, snacks, however, building that in, that's the number one supportive thing. Because if you're overwhelmingly hungry, when you do eat, it is very difficult to try to find the lower sodium choice or adding that fruits and vegetables. Um, So yeah, that's number one. I mean, again, i I will have people work on that for weeks. It's just kind of getting that consistent eating pattern back in to where they're doing that. And then the second thing, it really is that that add- in technique. Um, we were trying to add in plants to to the meals and not judging that plant, right? if if the only if the only thing you have access to is applesauce, great. Add some applesauce to that meal. We're not going to judge those things. If you work with a dietitian, then they can help you. If you're watching potassium, we can make sure that we're watching the fruits and vegetables that we're including. But those are so powerful for promoting kidney health. And I think those two things are the things that make the biggest difference in the long run um, for people.
0: These are some great things that I hope everyone can kind of take with and run, you know, even if you're at risk of getting disease or have it seems like great ways to build healthier eating. So, I've one last question. Now, if you need to lose weight, let's say that's to get on the transplant weight list or just to feel better, how do you go about doing that in a safe way when you want those results quickly?
1: We could do a whole other podcast on this issue. I think um, you know, transplants a, a difficult thing, and so I encourage you to, you know, have discussions with your transplant team, absolutely work with a dietitian about these things. Um, I think putting the focus on weight first is oftentimes a recipe for not being able to sustain it long-term because you can be doing all these things like trying to move your body more, trying to eat less sodium, trying to increase those, you know, plant-based foods. And then the moment the scale doesn't do, see, do what you want it to do, it, it's really demoralizing. And if that's the motivation behind your changes, you're probably not going to continue those changes. I encourage people, I understand there's these situations where we need to focus on weight, but if we can instead focus on behaviors, if you want to increase your physical activity, let's do that. If you want to decrease intake of saturated fat, let's do that. But let's keep the focus on the behaviors and instead of primarily on the scale.
2: So I want to talk about that because I did have to go through that whole process to get on the transplant list. My BMI was too high. And so I did have to focus on having to lose weight uh, and also being mindful of what I was consuming for my renal situation. And what happened was because I was actually so carefully paying attention to what I was eating and I used a food tracker, which I really highly recommend using one of those. I knew exactly what I was consuming when I was consuming and how much of what I was consuming. And I lost the weight very easily. And this is after years and years of doing all the different kinds of diets, you know, the the big manufacturer ones down to the fad diets and and struggling to either lose the weight and keep it off. I did lose the weight and I did keep it off and I am on the transplant list.
0: If that isn't a success story, I don't know what is. (laughs) What I've loved about today's conversation is we started with something that was so restricted, fad diets, and you know, we're ending and it feels like you have so many choices that you can make to have a healthier lifestyle. So as we're finishing up, is there anything else that either of you would like to talk about today?
1: Yeah, I can't I can't really think of anything. I encourage everybody to find a way to make these lifestyle changes personalized to you. And don't just think that there's just one renal diet out there, because that's a myth. There is no one renal diet, one kidney diet.
2: And I would encourage my fellow warriors to not get yourself frustrated with trying to achieve something overnight. It is a lifestyle change. You know, I've been on this path now for almost for six years to to stay away from dialysis and that's pretty amazing when i was told in 2018 i'd be on in six months it is doable i do fail i do lose sometimes i have cake i admit it (laughs) you know it's part of the life you got to enjoy your life but don't punish yourself and don't feel guilty but just keep rewarding yourself by what i call feeding the temple properly Beautiful.
0: Thank you both so much for your time in this incredible conversation. I hope you have a really great day. You too. Thank you. Thanks for the opportunity. We end each episode giving a shout out to a kidney patient who's celebrating a major milestone. In October of 2022, Erin received the life-saving gift of kidney donations. Congratulations on one year kidney strong. We're wishing you many more. Thank you for listening. Do you have any questions? Email us directly with your comments and suggestions at nkfpodcasts at kidney.org. We hope you will join us next time. And from all of us at NKF, we wish you good health.